If you like this podcast and would like to support us, please rate, comment, and subscribe. And also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And now it's time to get a unique slant on current events from your favorite half-Asian couple. Get ready to know what's happening in the world today with your host, Shane and Nico. Hello, hello. Oh, really? Why? You thought you were going to start the podcast? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. That's just me being too dominant over you. That's sorry correct. That. that is correct. So, my name is Shane. Why do you sound so depressed? <laughs> my name wa- is Shane. I don't want to be Shane anymore. <laughs> What's your name? I don't know. What is my name? Nico. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm Shane. And I'm Nico. And uh, yeah, and we're together. We're awkward. And uh, <laughs> my voice is cracked when I was earlier. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, so we are here with another episode of what's happening. What's going on, everyone? Hope you had a great uh, day or whatever you're listening to this. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. Hope you're having a great life. No, just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. But anyway, anyway, we had another guest on the podcast we had phil abonte of all that remains the lead singer of all that remains i gotta make sure and let him you know he's not the guitarist okay um so <laughs> i mean you know while he's on stage he's just you know any guy anyway whatever you you know who he is if you know about libertarianism you know and, who he is if you know who he is yeah you know who he is yeah you know we'll make a rap about it maybe no we won't uh, but yeah, we had Phil Labonte on to kind of just talk about his road to libertarianism, uh, you know, and how he views the country right now. And also, he gets to tell you the government programs that he would cut and the departments that he cut. So, boom, shakalaka, there you go. And without further ado, here we go. All right, we're going to take a few moments to talk about our sponsor, Infinite CBD. Infinite CBD has some of the cleanest CBD available. CBD is derived from cannabis, but without the THC, meaning there's no psychoactive reaction in the body, only the health benefits. I personally love the Asteroid CBD gummies because they work fast and they taste great. I've found that using Infinite CBD reduces my anxiety and stress levels and even helps me sleep better. I personally use the freezing topical point cream on my neck and back because I'm tall and I have tall people problems and my neck and back hurts pretty much every single day. So I use it to calm the pain and it works great. So yeah, really appreciate it, Infinite CBD. Now, if you want to have any of these products, make sure you use our promo code HAPA10, H-A-P-A and the number 10 to get 10% off your order. Again, go to infinitecbd.com and use promo code HAPA10 for 10% off your order. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, we are here with Phil Labonte. How are you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. How are you guys doing? All right. Pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, So we know that you just finished your tour that we were uh, fortunate to witness one of your shows. How did the tour go? It was great. It was killer. We uh, we did the co-headlining run with Attila, and that was about six weeks 
before that we did two weeks within flames and uh so we were gone for you know eight weeks and and that's a that's a healthy long tour you know so it's nice to be home it's nice to be uh nice to see the girl nice to be with the dogs and and not sleep in a rolling bunk every night you know so it's cool it was a good tour though it was really good it was uh very successful yeah, it was a good show. You guys put on a really good show, and Attila for sure puts on a, a really good show too. So yeah, they're crazy, man. They're crazy. Yeah, they are crazy. <laughs> yeah. What was it? Was it them that did that pineapple pizza song? Yeah. I was yeah. Like, going on. <laughs> that yeah. was funny. But and, and uh, I, I'm I'm on I'm on team no pineapple. I think that that oh, pineapple crap. on pizza is a. Yeah, you know you should know that, Nico. Um, but uh, but yeah. This. What? I can't keep track of this because there's so many people who hate it and a lot of people who really love it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can put whatever you want on your pizza. I'm not. I'm not uh, one of those people that's like, you know, if you are a you know a pineapple lover, then you know to gulag with you. But for me, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm all set with pineapple on the pizza. And it's not that I don't like. Like some people are like, oh, you don't like the sweet and savory thing. It's not about the sweet and savory it's just pineapple as a topping on a pizza just doesn't work for me like i love like salted caramel and stuff like that that like it's not about sweet and savory it's just pineapple on a pizza no thank you hmm so barbecue sauce and bacon and pineapple pizza that doesn't sound appetizing see barbecue sauce and bacon sounds awesome (laughs) on a pizza though on a pizza yeah i'm okay Uh, it was funny when we when you talked to uh, Larry Sharp, we asked him this question. It was funny because he was, you know, gave us his whole rant on why pineapple pizza is a, an abomination. It was great. <laughs> I don't know if I consider it an abomination, but I definitely would consider it someone else's pizza. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say I think Larry Sharp said something about sentencing people to prison for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was a, that was a pretty entertaining. Um, but yeah, yeah, so what I was going to say uh, about the show that we got to see in Salt Lake City because we were on our honeymoon, and uh, you, you shouted us out, which was really cool. Um, it was, was unexpected. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Yeah, we, we felt famous for five seconds, so it was well, pretty I, cool. I appreciated you guys coming out. You know, like I said, after the show, it's like anytime I can meet people that are, you know, of a liberty mindset that I'm familiar with from Twitter or, or you know, I've met on the internet something – Mm-hmm. or something like that uh I, I i feel real fortunate that i get to do what i do and that i meet so many interesting people but it's not frequent that i meet people that are of a similar mindset you know so it's it's uh it's cool plus i mean you guys just got married you know it was, it was right honeymoon, you know? yeah so it must have been pretty cool when you know when i mentioned tom woods and we got to talk about him for a few minutes like, oh my god someone knows tom woods too holy shit yeah, i love tom <laughs> woods he's he's a uh, He's he's an OG, you know. I mean, his his uh, he's one of the m- most pure libertarians out there, uh, you know. And and his reasoning is is generally sound. So I'm a I'm a Tom Wood fan. Tom Woods fan. Yeah, he's uh, his podcast is great, and he has yeah. a lot of interesting guests. So, um, yeah. So to kind of uh, talk about libertarians and 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 uh, liberty in general, um. When you're on the road, you know, like you said, it was it's not very often that you get to meet people who are libertarian. And obviously, being in the music industry, you know, I'm gonna ho- go ahead and guess that there probably aren't a lot of libertarians in public, at least. You no, know, not saying in public. So, how do you kind of deal with that? Like, whenever politics is ever 
mentioned? Do you ever talk about that with other people, especially like with your band even? Well, when it comes to when it comes to like the guys in the band, you know, the band itself doesn't have a political perspective because there's, you know, everyone in the band has a different mindset. Now, granted, come, you know, tax time, everybody feels like or talks like a libertarian, you know, right. you know, tax day just went by and and as tax day approaches and people are doing their taxes, everyone's like, man, this is stupid, burda, burda, burda. And it's like, yeah, yeah taxation theft. And they're like, yeah, it is. And da, 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 da. Um, but, you know, then come July, you know, people will be like, well, you know, maybe we should bomb that country or, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we do need, you know, to, to force people to pay for roads and et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but really I avoid taking too hard of a stance when it comes to my political perspective with, with people when I'm, when I'm in that kind of situation, just because of the fact that you, you don't really know much about, you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah. You know, if I run into an actual communist or something like that, then I, I do my best to avoid them because I think that it's, uh, it's, 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 un, it's an unproductive conversation or generally it tends to be an unproductive conversation. So I avoid that conversation. Uh, you know, if I, if I'm, if I'm aware of the person's political leaning and their, you know, the, of the extreme type. Um, but otherwise, for the most part, I mean, you know, libertarianism can really be summed up without, without delving too deep into the philosophy. Libertarianism can pretty easily be summed up with, you know, I just don't want to force people to live the way that I think that I want to live. And when you approach it like that, most people are, are usually like, yeah, I don't think that we should force people to, you know, behave in a certain way. And I think people should be free to live their lives the way that they want to live them. The, the, the thing about libertarians, I think, is that we've really spent more time thinking about what that really means. Because it's easy to say, yeah, I don't want to force other people and live and let live and stuff. But then to, to really kind of put some thought into, you know, how frequently people are coerced into doing things by, by the state and how frequently uh, actual liberty is, is infringed upon, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's where the, the difference between your average person who would say live and let live and someone who is a politically aware libertarian starts to, starts to, to show itself, I guess. Would, would you ever, um, you know, ever have conversations with, you know, communists or anything like that? Because I know Nico knows a couple, at least on Twitter, at least that, you know, she'll have conversations with communists and it's, it's cordial, you know, obviously they're going to disagree, but it's, it never gets hostile or anything. Have, you know, do you ever get into those kind of conversations and do you ever kind of get that like, okay, well, at least they get a better understanding of where you're coming from. Cause obviously those people, libertarians aren't, um, aren't, uh, you know, they're not, guilt or they're not not guilty of this as well they're 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 guilty of this i mean they do it within themselves and i know you see this all the time where libertarians fight amongst themselves like you were saying fighting about you know how, how libertarian are you or are you a real libertarian you know that yeah, kind of that kind of shit the purity test that tends to happen yeah. uh, i i have had conversations with communists um you know and 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 as long as they're not like a revolutionary communist who's who's you know rationalizing killing 
millionaires, right? Which right. You, you do tend to see that. Um, just so long as they're not that type of communist or, or that type of Marxist, then then I can, you know, be completely, you know, complete. I'm completely fine with, with discussing ideas with them and, and stuff. But when you get into the more more extreme revolutionary communists who are, you know, the ones that are saying, look, we're going to build the guillotines and, and, you know, we, we have to kill the, kill all the rich people and stuff. Um, I find it difficult to, to take them seriously because they're vastly unprepared for that type of action. And I think that they're LARPing. <laughs> so, yeah, th this is kind of um, off track, but I don't know why I just, I just thought of this, but um, you know that Bernie Sanders town hall that he did on Fox News? Yeah. And we were listening to the Paul the Problem episode that Dave, you know, that Dave Smith does, and he was talking about it. And it's just, it's amazing how, the, you know, I think it was the first question they asked him was about, uh, was it about his, tax, his taxes, right? Yeah, they asked him about him actually being in the 1%. Basically. Yeah, and he was like doing his absolute damnedest to be like, no, I, I, I may not be in the 1%, but Trump, Trump hasn't released his tax returns. He hasn't released his tax returns too. I did it. You should do it too. It's like, yeah. we're not talking about Trump, man. We're talking about you. You're here in the town hall. <laughs> no one gives a fuck about you. We already know you don't like Trump. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> you know, I'll give, I'll give. I'll give kudos to Bernie for going on Fox News, and I think that, of course, um, I think that far more politicians need to do that. Um, you know, Bernie Sanders isn't going to convince any MSNBC viewers that his perspective is right. They generally agree with him, and the differences that they have are probably around the edges. Mm -hmm. um, and that means that you're not going to make you're not going to convince any voters from that would vote for someone else. And if you look at the amount of people that voted for Trump that were previously Bernie supporters, it's a surprisingly large overlap. You know, there was a lot of Bernie supporters that when Bernie you know, laid down and let Clinton walk all over him, they went, well, I'm going to go vote for Trump then. Because they're not, they weren't into the whole identitarian side of it. They were into the economic side of it. They were, they were looking at it from perspective of, of from a, from an economic perspective. And there's a lot of people that, at the time, and possibly still, or probably still, there's a high likelihood that there's still a lot of people in, in the same boat, but that are, you know, financially burdened, financially suffering, and. Trump was saying, you know, we're going to get jobs back. We're going to focus on the economy. And, and that's an appealing message. And no matter how much you say that Trump is a, a bad dude or Trump is a immoral person, which I don't think that I have a problem with people making that argument because I think that he probably is a scumbag and, and he's probably an immoral dude. I mean, the guy was banging his banging around on his wife. I think, you know, the guy was banging around on his wife. You know, he, he, Melania, he had an affair with Melania before they got married. So I, I don't think that there's any kind of argument that Trump is a, a pure kind of good guy. But there's only, only the most idiotic people in American political life make the argument that Trump is a good guy. And your average person doesn't really care what Trump does 
in his personal life. They care about, is he going to be, you know, is he going to going to have policies and support policies that are going to help America? And that's really what the America first agenda was as much as, or is as much as, you know, people on the left want, especially the identitarians on the left want to spin it as some kind of racist thing. It's not about a race. It's not a racist perspective. The perspective is I'm going to look at the U S as my job, which is what a president should do. I don't, I don't understand people that say, Oh, that's a bad perspective to have. Um, so when Bernie Sanders was saying, you know, we're going to do things that are going to help the middle class and we're going to do things that are going to help, you know, the average American, there was a ton of people that heard that and believed it and wanted it. And then when he just laid down for Clinton, you know, they, they were left like, well, what are we supposed to do? Who are we going to go talk to? And so they voted for Trump. So to think that Bernie Sanders going on Fox News to talk to those people or to reach out to those people, hopefully that that's what he would be trying to do. I don't see how you can look at that as a bad thing. You know, you look at the people that are that will go on to CNN and people from both sides of the aisle will go on CNN. People from both sides of the aisle will go on MSNBC. But people on the left don't want to come to Fox. And that's yeah. a problem because Fox is the biggest Fox has the best ratings out of all the news news channels. Mm-hmm. So to say, no, I'm not going to go and try to reach out to these voters and try to convince these voters that my plans will help them is is just I mean, it's incredibly stupid. Yeah. And, you know, speaking about Trump and, and how I guess how conservative or Christian he is, Michelle Bachman said and I, I'm so, yeah, yeah, when she was say, oh, yeah, Trump's the most Christian president ever had, I was thinking, uh, like, what? <laughs> like, it, was, it was painful, and I saw that tweet, and I was just like, oh, my God, that, I, I, can't even, I can't even believe that, that she's saying it. But, I mean, I, you know, there's people out there that are going to, you know, they're going to swear up and down that, oh, well, you know, he's an imperfect messenger, but he's bringing God's message and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, we uh, we dodged a bullet with Michelle Bachman because Michelle Bachman was a part of that, um, which was saying that, you know, Iran is, or I think it was Iran, but saying something about Iran was our, you know, number one enemy, or I can't remember if it was Russia, but it was doing that, I think it was 08 or, or 12 debate, you know, when Ron Paul was doing that whole, uh, wait, what? You know, you hold on a yeah. sec, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Because when, when, there was that whole Juliana moment, right? But Michelle Bachman, I'm pretty sure was part of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous, yeah. the, the, the things that some of these, the people in the Republican Party, you know, are trying to pass off as, as legitimate points it's it's it's, yeah i mean it's punishing to listen to i I feel like my brain is just you know being sucked out of my head uh, because or or that i'm living in you know like clown world or something like that but uh, you know that's that's the way that it is and i think the best thing that that you can do is is try to listen to the try to figure out which ones are the reasonable ones and as soon as people say that trump is a godly man you can take their opinion and file it under you know stupid as uh, like as stupid as it gets you know yeah but so in terms of libertarianism where do you see yourself like classified as you classify yourself as a 
anarcho-capitalist, a minarchist, like a conservatarian, collapsitarian. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, the collapsitarians are fun to talk to, but I, yeah. I don't think that I am a collapsitarian. I, I'm probably a minarchist. Mm. You know, I, I kind of like the idea of the night watchman state, I guess, um, as little as possible. Um, I think that I think that if you look at the Constitution and if you take the Constitution literally, you know, like like Judge Napolitano says, that it means what it says and it says what it means. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that for the most part, the Constitution was calling for basically a minarchist state, at least on the federal level. All right. Um, the federal government has the federal government and has has abused the necessary and proper clause and has has abused the the commerce clause to the point where there there's almost no limit to what the federal government will do uh but i don't think that i don't think that the vast majority of the things that the federal government does is are legitimate i think that i think that the the 10th amendment was written for a reason i think that states rights has has a, a horrible tarnish on it because it was used as a defense of slavery which i i, right. I can't even believe that that was used as a defense for slavery but it was and i think that you know the, because of the abomination that was slavery i think that that will forever stain the 10th amendment and yeah. it's really tough to to make an argument for states rights without someone implying that Oh, well, you know, without someone disingenuously implying that you're somehow supporting, you know, chattel slavery of human beings, which is uh, unquestionably not the case. Yeah. But that's that's what they'll what they'll do and what they'll say, because people are dishonest and, you know, no, very few people argue in good faith nowadays. Um, so I think that a, a minarchist state is, it, uh, at least a minarchist federal government is, is what the Constitution, or is something similar to a minarchist federal government, is what the Constitution in, intended or intends. And I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good assessment of what I think the federal government should be doing. Now, I don't want to speak for, you know, people who, are, who don't consider themselves minarchist. So, but I, I do want to kind of maybe think of some arguments because I know I'm sure there are anarchists who would think that, you know, who are completely, you know, the Constitution is meaningless or, or is useless. Like, why, was, why should we follow what a piece of paper says, you know, all that stuff. And also, you know, you're, we're for, uh, you know, um, as minimal of a state as possible, but a state still, you know, there, but obviously yeah. not nowhere near as big as it is now. But of course, there's that danger if you still have that as small a state as possible, it's going to grow as big as it is now, which it has done. So, you know, how would you kind of counter that if that was the argument about for against the minarchist? Well, I think that for the most part, they're right. It's it's a yeah. tough argument to or it's it's a tough point to refute or argument to to break, however you want to phrase it. Um mm -hmm. because I mean, we've seen it. Um, yeah, you know, we've got a, a we've got a a written constitution that has a bill of rights that specifically lay out things that the federal government cannot do. Like specifically says this, you're not allowed to touch. This, you're not allowed to touch. And the 
the amendments in the Bill of Rights are not unclear. They are not difficult to understand. But yet you still have people that talk about, you know, oh, well, we should have a law against hate speech where they say, well, there's some things that you there's some speech you can't do because you can't yell fire in a building. And that's that's a ridiculous twisting of what they mean, because it's not about it's not about what you can say, as in, you know, the word specifically the words. It's about exchanging ideas. You know, yeah. people say, oh, well, you know, the the government can regulate what kind of art, what kind of guns you can have. So you shouldn't have semi-automatics. And it's like, well, the the Second Amendment doesn't say guns. It says arms. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, people should be able to own tanks. People can own tanks. <laughs> uh, you know, you can own explosives. You can own all these things. It's, it's just that they're it's heavily regulated. And, and the reason that you can own them is because the government can't prevent you because of the Second Amendment. Um, you've got civil asset forfeiture laws, which are grossly unconstitutional. Uh, they're, I mean, they're an abomination. And yet you've still got, you know, police departments that, that are doing just that, taking people's property without due process. Uh, you're, you're guaranteed due process, but, but the government is constantly trying to find ways to circumvent that. And you've got, you know, Barack Obama shooting missiles at American citizens and, and killing them. So it's a hard argument. It's hard to say that anarchists, when they say that the Constitution has little value, it's hard to say that they're wrong. But yeah. I think that I think that because we are imperfect people, we are imperfect beings and we live in an imperfect world, we can't just say, oh, then we shouldn't have any of it because the option is really might makes right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I don't think that any of us want to live in a world or very few of us would want to live in a world where might makes might makes right and i think that that's less just than an imperfect governmental system well there's also that chance too about you know say there was no federal government and just you know the people made their own you know little government or whatever well then there's a chance of that government becoming as big as it is now you know becoming a yeah. dictatorship in a way or whatever yeah yeah with that without the without the limitations without the the courts and and the the general consensus that the government does have the monopoly on violence as as much as as you know i don't like the government using violence um i don't know that i would like your average person saying that i'm justified in using violence just because with no with no way for the rest of society to to interpret it or to to have a a clear picture of whether or not it was a just use of violence because he said we i mean we li we live in a world now where even with courts he said she said is is extremely problematic the government uh, you know violates people's rights all the time um, and we still we do have a, a pretty stable government and a justice system that, while imperfect, generally works. Um, and I don't think that uh, that dissolving the 
the the government completely and having no courts to redress grievances and no protection on private property uh i don't think that that would be a, a situation that ends better than than the situation that we have now it, it would end i think it would end differently and i think that it would tend to more violence and a less peaceful uh less peaceful society do you think it's possible at this point to go or to lessen the government or do you think it's kind of got to run its course i guess because it seems like we're just going like larger and larger especially with all the wars that we're in yeah um i don't i do i think it's possible do i think it's likely no um you know everybody loves to say uh, people will will talk about what what they want to see cut but then when you say something like all right how about if we just start with a 10 percent cut on everything right cut every government program every cabinet level position cut every government agency by 10 percent and as soon as you say that not even not even a significant cut a 10 percent cut to the size of the federal government and people are up in arms saying well we just can't we're down to the bone everything is is we're, we're barely scraping by and, and, and yada 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 and et cetera et cetera so i'm i don't know that it, that it'll happen or I, I think it will not happen i don't know how it would happen it's possible um but i don't think that it's likely you know as soon as you talk about cutting something people start talking about oh you know we need to cut the military and yada 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 and it's like fair enough i want to cut the military uh but you know the biggest drivers of our our debt and deficit are our medicare medicaid social security and as soon as you say that oh well you know you can't cut you can't take from children and old people and blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like you know I, i'm not saying that we should take things from children and old people but don't tell me that you want to cut the government when you know you want to cut the the, the federal deficit and and uh, cut the budget and say that you're going to make a real substantive cut from that that will help the actual debt and deficit only in the military sector because that's not that's not a real that's not coming to the table with a reasonable perspective there's not enough military to cut it just kind of reminds me of like people's reactions i don't know if they they're just probably freaking out but like when the government was shut down yeah earlier yeah. earlier yeah like everybody was freaking out we're shut down ever <laughs> i know I was, I was hoping it was last forever, but of course, you know, you can only yeah. dream, I guess. It's true. You know, like, I would love to see a cut of, like, just to start with, I would love to see the Department of Education cut. Oh, how dare you? I know, right? Because, and, and of course, the, then the, the, the response is, well, you just don't want to see people educated. But if you, first of all, the Department of Education is younger than I am. So to say that we need the Department of Education because people won't get educated without it, I mean, you can point to recent history that people were educated before the Department of Education, right? So if you could get rid of the Department of Education, then I think that we might be able to, 
to start, then, then I think that we could seriously talk about if it's possible to get rid of, of substance. I think it's possible that we could start making, start talking about making actual substantive cuts to the government. But when something as new and as, as much of an abject failure as the Department of Education is still a sacred cow, then is, if we can't talk about cutting that, then I don't think that we can talk seriously about making cuts. I mean, if you look at test scores, they're flat. Spending's gone up every year since the Department of Education was created, and test scores have either are either flat or have gone down. So throwing money at the problem doesn't work. We had we had plenty of people getting educated before the Department of Education, and colleges don't need to get money from the, the government. They you have tuition for a reason. Um, you know the government is cannot be trusted with with paying college tuition right now you've got a, a, a huge problem with with people going to college and getting in all kind of debt that they can't get they can't call, file bankruptcy on uh and coming out of school with no no not a usable degree they have no idea how to do anything in the real world it's it's an it's an absolute and total failure on every single on, on every single metric that i've seen anyone bring up and yet we still can't cut it. We still can't get rid of it. So I, I really don't think that there will be a significant cut to the government, even though I think that, it, you know, you need to go go in there with a chainsaw and cut. So, yeah. And if we're going strictly by uh, how many cabinet positions there are, like you were saying that the Department of Education is younger than you are. Yep. So if we look at George Washington, because I'm looking at it right now, if we look at George Washington's cabinet, it only has, of course, President Washington and then uh, the Vice President Adams and then Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of War, and Attorney General. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we could get rid of HUD. We get get rid of housing and urban, ur, urban development. Mm-hmm. We get rid of uh, Department of Commerce. We don't need the federal government to, to have commerce. We could get rid of the Department of Education. Uh, we could get rid of... Um, the Department of the Interior, um, and arguably we could get rid of uh, the Department of Energy. The only reason that I say we might not be able to get rid of the Department of Energy is because the Department of Energy is tasked with monitoring uh, our nuclear capability. Yeah. So right. you might be able to bring those people over in. <clears throat> excuse me. You might be able to bring the people that monitor our nuclear uh, our nuclear deterrent. You might be able to bring them in the de- Department of Defense. And then get rid of the rest of the Department of Energy. And if that's the case, then you know if that was if that's feasible, then I'd say get rid of the Department of Energy as well, because those are unnecessary bureaucracies, as far as I can tell. Well, you can if you're if we're speaking strictly on age, we could 100% get rid of the Department of Homeland Security because that was oh amazing. yeah we could get rid of them too yeah during Bush <laughs> yeah yeah Homeland Security can go. I mean we we've got the FBI that's under the Department of Justice. We mm-hmm. You don't need Homeland Security either. So six, there you go. Yeah, I know. It's like, there you go, six right there. And then, of course, you're just going to piss everyone off. How dare you? Like, education? What do you, want? you want everyone to be stupid? It's like, well, they're, they're stupid already. Yeah. So. <laughs> are you, are, so you're implying that everyone is smart then, you know? Well, when I was saying before with the cabinet, with the um, Washington's cabinet, and there was only four cabinet positions, you know, the state, treasury, war, and then the attorney general, 
education was, you know, I'm, I'm guessing probably just, oh, there's a school over there. I guess go to school and the teacher will teach you whatever, you know, they need to teach you whatever. I don't know what, what the books were or if they're teaching the right stuff, but they didn't need a Department of Education to do that for them. No, we didn't need a Department of Education until I think it was 1979 or 78 is when the Department of Education was formed. Mm. And, and you know, we managed to, to get to the point where we had nuclear energy before the Department of Education. So people were educated. All of the, all of the, all of the big discoveries in science had been, that are, that are still considered the big discoveries, as far as I understand it, had been made. So they, they don't have a unifying theory for everything yet, right? But they're, yeah. they're still working on that. But they, they figured out how to split the atom uh the the quantum quantum mechanics had they had already they had figured out that not figured out but they they, they were studying quantum mechanics before the department of education all these things that that are currently still on the cutting edge of science they were all discovered and the foundations were laid before the department of energy our department of education so i i, I don't for one minute believe that the department of edu uh, education is necessary at all but schools can be Schooling can be handled on the local level by the states and by the uh, by by the localities. So, you know. So kind of kind of a footnote. You know about the Tenth Amendment Center? I do. I I, I know that it was one guy that started it, and now it's a, a big big deal, and I, and I appreciate his work. Yeah. So I'm sure when you're talking about you know states' rights and slavery and all that, I'm sure they get handled with that kind of shit. The people that hate them, you know, they get handled with that shit all the time. You're just you're you know you're a supporter of slavery. It's like uh, no. <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. The 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 arguments that are that people make that are that are, that are just non charitable. Uh, just, I mean, it's it's ridiculous to to the way that some people approach an argument simply to vilify the person, the person they're arguing with, which is not productive and it doesn't convince anyone of anything. Um, but apparently if you can prove that the person you're arguing with is immoral, the, the arguments they're making don't matter. Yeah. And then also we're forgetting about the most important amendment in the bill of rights. And that's the third amendment. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 I don't think, I do think that it's important. I don't, I wouldn't want troops kicking in my door and, and I, and then I have to feed them and, and, and let them sleep in my house. Uh, I just think that it's, it's probably the least likely to happen. <laughs> I, I imagine there's not a lot of people out there that know what the, the third amendment says. Not that I know the wording of it, but I understand the, the, the concept of it. Yeah, you pretty much got the gist of it. The the coring of soldiers. I think it was like during peacetime or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 the Third Amendment. So it's the third one they thought of, and and apparently it was a big deal back in the day. You know, I mean, it might not be. It's not such a big deal nowadays, but it was a big deal back then. I, I don't know why, but it'd be funny if you're joking around. You know, if that if a Third Amendment. Uh, you know, you got to use that or something. So a soldier would come to your door, right? And they'll say, hey, I'm going to come in. I'm going to, you know, come in. I'm a soldier. I have a uniform. It's like, no, you got to come in with a warrant first. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> get, your, get your warrant, and then you, yeah. can, then you can come here. Yeah. <laughs> of course, then it's like, well, they just get a piece of paper. And I guess this piece of paper says that they're allowed to come to my house. So now I can't do anything. So... You know, that's that's I guess that's another argument in whole all yeah, of itself. How does a warrant make 
make it better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make it more moral, but uh, apparently it just, it, it really, it just, it, it takes your ability to fight it in court away. Mm. Hmm. So kind of to go back uh, about your start for um, being a libertarian, can you kind of tell us about that whole rundown of how you became a libertarian or like what, what lit that light bulb in your head? It was Ron Paul. I was, I was, uh, I was, I came from, from being a Republican. Um, you know, I, I grew up, my dad was a business owner and, uh, he, he owned a, you know, he owned a small business. He didn't have a bunch of employees. He had some people that he worked with, but he was never one of the dude, those dudes that wanted to have a, a massive business. It was, he liked to do the work himself and, you know, he was a contractor and did site work and, you know, that was his thing. And, uh, you know, I used to hear him talk about the problems that he would run into with compliance and, and stuff to, you know, build houses or, or do whatever it was that he was trying to do that day. And, and I think that that's where my, my foundational politics came from was, was my dad. And, and then as I got older and saw uh, I saw, I think the first time that I was personally politically aware was during impeachment. So I knew Bill Clinton and I thought he was kind of cool. You know, he was the guy that was on MTV and, you know, he played saxophone and, and stuff. And, uh, and so I was kind of, I, I, I was fond of him in the fact that he seemed cool. Um, but then when impeachment happened, and hearing the way that all the people were defending Bill Clinton, I think is kind of what solidified me as, as not wanting to be that because I was old enough to understand that what he was being impeached for was not a blow job. And everybody just made it out that made it out as if the, the thing that he did that was bad was got head. And I was like, I watched him on TV say that he didn't do anything and he was under oath. And if I did that, I would go to jail. So yeah. for me, it was, it was, it was, I was very aware of the fact that it was because he was on, he had violated the law. He had broken, broken the law by lying under oath. Um, and so I was just like, I, I don't want to be one of those people that makes excuses for someone I, I i i felt like what he did was wrong and all the people that were defending him were were lying and and i didn't want to be associated with that so so for me i was like i, I don't want to be that and then when uh when uh when when bush won i was like okay you know and i i was i was generally uh generally a Bush supporter. And then after the Iraq war, I was like, these guys are no better. You know, I mean, it, it took a minute to figure it out, but I was, I was really, you know, disillusioned with the fact that there was the whole, you know, BS about weapons of mass destruction in, in Iraq. And so I was just like, all right, so what am I supposed to do? And then I you know, found out who Ron Paul was and, and, started listening to started listening to Ron Paul and I was a Ron Paul supporter in 2008 and then I found out who Tom Woods was and Mises and and found where the uh uh the uh the 
foundational theories came from, you know, in Bastia and, and Hayek and, and stuff and, and just, you know, went from there and learned, you know, as much as I could. But Ron yeah. Paul was my guy. Yeah, I know for uh, me, it was Dave Smith. And because um, I know he gets that all the time. But for me, I can't remember exactly what episode it was, but I th- I think it was because the whole Legion of Skanks thing and them being like you were talking about before with them being on um, uh, Compound Media for that year they were on there, and I wasn't really a listener of Legion of Skanks, but I I guess Dave Smith had mentioned that he had another podcast at some point, so I decided I'll, I'll give it a listen, and I listened to it and I, and I was just like my mind was blue. I was like, holy shit! I have never heard of any of these arguments ever. Yeah. You know, everything it was saying made either made sense to me or it, it opened my eyes to be like, oh, there's a whole other section of politics out there that I, you know, because I was just thinking, oh, it's just conservative, liberal, Democrat, yeah. Republican, all that shit. But then I was like, okay, so now there's a libertarian or, or at least, you know, more, uh, I guess, more of the liberty standpoint, because, I mean, let's face it, conservatives pretend that they're all for liberty. But I mean, come on. They're not. They're yeah. Not. So. They just talk to talk. Yeah, but yeah, for me it was Dave Smith, and I think for Nico it was the same, right? Yeah, yeah, much. yeah. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Dave Smith, and and he's pretty he's pretty consistent on on libertarian principles and stuff. He's he's uh he's not uh, not one to mince words, and not one to um you know to 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 make excuses for for his his opinion and stuff. Yeah, as he says, he's the most consistent motherfucker you know. Yep, he, he is, he is. He's, he's pretty consistent, as far as I know. All right, we're going to take a few moments to talk about a big supporter of our show, Libertarian Country, for all of your political apparel needs. That's libertariancountry.com, and they have everything liberty-related on t-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, long-sleeve shirts, baby clothes, bumper stickers, hats, They have so many different options now. They even sell books. That's right. So if you use our promo code HAPA, H-A-P-A, and you'll get 10% off your order. Again, HAPA. So don't forget to go to libertariancountry.com and use our promo code HAPA. All right, let's get back into the show. So I have a few questions that uh, it was a while ago, but there were some questions that I tweeted out, you know, uh, before. Huh? You tweeted out if anyone else. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry, I <laughs> wore that way off. Anyway, yeah, the other people have they, they had questions for you, so my, my I apologize. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so the first one is: uh, Would you ever consider running for office? No, I'm I'm vastly unqualified for office um, <laughs> because I've said no, no words on Twitter, and mm. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm well, who knows? I mean. Trump, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, Trump's. I mean, Trump's president. He said so much crap. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I don't. I don't want to be in in politics in that fashion. Um, you know, I would. I can imagine being a pundit or or talking. You know, discussing politics, but being an actual political player, I can't. You know, I I I don't want to be in that position. I don't. I don't have a lot of desire to tell people what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I know Eric July says the same thing. He kind of just wants to, you know, have his music as like the gateway for people to kind of open their eyes about libertarianism or just liberty in general. Yeah. So, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm much more effective and, and much more of a benefit that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so how has being libertarian affected your music career? And we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, so yeah, that, that question. I don't think that it has affected my music career. I don't think my political perspective has affected my musical career a ton. I think that if anything, how vocal I am about my, my opinions has, has affected it more than the actual opinions themselves. I think that a lot of, a lot of people that are into music don't want to hear the opinions of the artists that they uh, listen to. That's why like the only place that I talk about politics, you know, is in a place that's specifically about politics. So if I go on a podcast or something like that, I'll talk about politics. Right. Um, if I go and then on Twitter, but like my Instagram page, I'll put up memes and stuff, but I don't get pol super political on my Instagram page. I, I, I avoid doing that. I don't have a Facebook page. Um, so really the only place that I kind of delve into politics is, is on, uh, <clears throat> is on Twitter. Okay. And why did all that remains not include the last verse in your thunder, uh, the thunder rolls cover? I think it's just because we wanted to do the song the way that Garth had done it on the record. Um, we'll do it live sometimes, but the you know when Garth put it on the record, he put it on the record that way, and, and I feel like we just kind of wanted to do, you know, do do an homage to what Garth did, you know, um, and not so much try to try to reinvent it in that way. So we'll do it live. We do it live sometimes, but that's not a not really. I, it, it was it was because we kind of wanted to keep it uh, true to what Garth had done. So like Bill O'Reilly, we'll do it live. <laughs> do it live. Yeah. He swore a lot when he said that. I know. He was a he was Every, a foul mouth guy. I know. <laughs> uh, there's been some music uh, music parodies of that or song parodies of that. Oh, that's great. I haven't seen it, but I should. Yeah, maybe I'll send them one of them your way. You'll you'll fucking laugh your ass off. Um, and so another one is, uh, what's the most disgusting food that you've ever eaten on tour? Uh, <laughs> hold on one second. <laughs> Pizza in Italy. Really? Yes, really. I know. Uh, and it's not. I'm not saying that it's all pizza, but or not all pizza in Italy, but I've had one of the times that I had the most disgusting pizza was in Italy. Um, fast food in Europe that isn't like American fast food. It's just rough. Like I went to the, we just recently went to France and we were in Paris and there was this place that said they had burritos, but like they just, it was just this weird thing. They put French fries in it, this weird sauce. And I, uh, the fast food joints, in Europe, leave something to be desired. <laughs> Wait, did you just say they put French fries in what was supposed to be a burrito? Yeah, they called it burrito, and it didn't. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, they called it a burrito, and it, it said, you know, it said that it had it said like Mexican, but it wasn't any kind of Mexican that <laughs> I've ever seen. And I'm talking like it wasn't even close to like Taco Bell style Mexican, which is like not Mexican, like. You know, you guys know out there in the in the West, in the Southwest, you can get some legit Mexican food mm -hmm. because you know there's a lot of people from Mexico that have come over and they'll you know start a a, a shop or whatever. 
Right. Man, I tell you what, in France, they have no idea what Mexican is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, those Europeans, man, they're racist. Here's Mexican food, even though we don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> yeah, they had no idea. They were lost. I wonder if that's just a thing, like, outside of... Because, I don't know, it seems like the U.S. at least has, like, good fusion food. But, like, when I went to Thailand, they had stuff, like, that they called, like, American food. And it was just, like... A pizza with hot dogs on it. <laughs> yeah, I, what is this? <laughs> I feel like in America, because America, America is so full of so many different kind of people that are that are authentic, like authentically from. So, like if you get, you know, you you can get Chinese food here that's authentically Chinese, because there's a lot of Chinese people. You get Mexican food here that's authentically Mexican, because there's a lot of Mexicans. I don't know that there's a whole ton of Mexicans that are going to France. Yeah. You know, I, I assume that I assume like in, in, I think in Europe, you can get a lot of like authentically Middle Eastern food because there's a lot of people from the Middle East that, you know, mm -hmm. there's, it's a land bridge. You can get the, you know, if you can get the Turkey, you can jump on a train and go all over, all over Europe. So I, I assume that there's, there's a lot of authentic uh, Middle Eastern food, but I don't think that the, uh, the Mexican food or, or, whatever is is super authentic in like sweden <laughs> yeah makes sense have you been to japan many times and i love it hmm. what's your favorite thing about japan uh well every time that that i've gone we've gone out to really nice restaurants uh the people are super super polite the crews when when you set your stuff up um so you, we'll go there and we'll set our gear up for the first night. And then every single night after that we play, it's the exact same setup down to if you have, you know, two waters and a Red Bull on stage, there will be two waters and a Red Bull every single day. Like they like they, I don't think that there is a phrase for close enough in Japan. <laughs> close enough. I, I think that it's it's either right or it's wrong, and they measure everything. They measure how far the cabinets are from the wall. They measure this. They know every. They know the dimensions and where everything sit, and how many towels go where, and blah blah blah. And it is exactly the same. And they are meticulous. the The fans are insane. When they when 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 a band gets to Japan, they they genuinely really appreciate it. They love the music. So I. I I can't say enough good things about Japan. It's it's one of my favorite places. Do you listen to any Japanese bands? Um, no, I don't. I've heard Duran Gray. Um, yeah, but I, I can't say that I I listen to them, um, but I know who they are, and I've I've heard some of their stuff, and it's cool. But I I couldn't say that I'm like a you know, I, I listen to them. You know. Mm. Yeah, I used to listen to them hardcore for a while, yeah. and there's other. Japanese bands that I like too, like Maximum the Hormone. They're everyone calls Maximum the Hormone like the mix of like Red Hot Chili Peppers and System of a Down had a mental retarded child. That's... Oh, you know, I like Miyavi. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, I actually know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I don't. Like yeah, he was actually in in a Hollywood movie recently. Yeah, he about, was in a movie uh, about the uh, the the prisoner of war that. Uh, he what he like the guy had won a um a gold medal in the Olympics and he was a prisoner of war during World War Two mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, he was getting, and I remember too when he was in it, and people were uh, kind of I guess trying to get him to be nominated for an Oscar for that movie. I don't yeah. know. 
that's that's just a story that I remember about during that time. Uh, so another question is: Have you ever met Tom Green? Tom Green? Yeah, Tom no. Green. The guy that the guy that used to have the Tom Green show. No, I've never met him. Yeah, and in one of the funniest movies ever, Freddy Got Fingered. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of the movie. I uh, Boy. that that was that was the movie where he had he had, had like the sausages on his hands and he was playing the piano and they were like also tied up in the air and he said, "Daddy, would you like some sausage?" Oh. Yeah, that, okay, that that part, they, everyone always talks about that part, but there's other parts of that movie that are, like, funnier way than worse, that. You mean? Yeah, way worse, I guess, but... <laughs> because there's a part in the movie where he's just driving. I think it's, like, in the beginning of the movie, or, like, towards the beginning of the movie, he's driving, and he just... He looks to the right or something, and he like yells really loud, and then he stops, gets out of his car, and she knows what I'm talking about, jumps over the fence or whatever, and starts oh, jacking no. off the horse. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? But it's so funny because it's so random. It, I don't know. I don't know. Something about that scene just makes me burst out laughing every time I think about it. Yeah, I think that I would go with what the fuck as well. Yeah, that movie to me was just like I was like, oh, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> well, and cause there, there's some because uh, I know Red Letter Media did a video about it where they did a whole review on the movie, and they were talking about how I guess Tom Green because um, you know like you're saying the Tom Green show and he was like really popular during that time, yeah. and so they were saying, okay, here we want you to be in this lead movie. We'll give you all this money. And this is what he came up with was Freddie got fingered. But some people were saying that he was kind of doing like a parody because he has a love interest, but the love interest is about as shallow as you can possibly imagine because there's a scene where he comes out of the helicopter. He says, I have all these jewels for you, all these beautiful jewels that I paid for you. And she goes, well, I don't want beautiful jewels. I just want to suck your cock. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pardon. Yeah, that's the so that that you're like how could how does anyone take this seriously? But yeah, it's that might be the point. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, speaking of movies, what's the funniest movie that you've ever seen? Funniest movie. Um, Look, mm. the South Park movie's hilarious. Mm. Um, it's a good one. I was a huge fan of Ghostbusters. I mean, Caddyshack's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I can pick the funny, the funniest. I, I was a big fan of Chevy Chase and the, the Vacation movies. Oh, yeah, those are good. Are you, so when you're talking about the Ghostbusters, are you talking about the, the 80, was it 85 or 2016? Uh, it was, it, I believe it was 1983. Oh, wait. Uh, I'm definitely not talking about the 2016. <laughs> yeah, that movie was rough. That that wasn't all that funny to me, so. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a big disappointment. Yeah. Okay, so maybe not funniest, but do you have maybe a, a favorite movie or just maybe not a favorite movie, but a movie that you can always go back to and just watch whenever it comes on. Like you're flipping through the channels and it's on. You're like, I gotta stop and watch this. I can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. I can watch. Uh... I can watch The Matrix almost every time that it's on. I love that movie, uh, the, the first one. Um, Star Wars, you know. Um, so, I mean, that I'm, I'm kind of dating myself in, in, in the movies that I can watch without hesitation, but like Terminator, 
uh, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the 80s classics, I guess. I can watch mm-hmm. The Goonies almost every time it's on. If it's on, I'll watch that without a problem. Nice. Yep, I've seen all those movies. They're great. They're classics. Yeah. yeah. We, a- we actually went to see uh, Rares of the Lost Ark live in concert. So we were watching the movie, and then they were playing the music as the movie was oh, That had to yeah. be awesome. Yeah, it was great. A lot of fun. Great. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last question that we'll ask, or one okay. of the questions, because I have another question after this. But anyway, oh, okay. so who's the most famous person to block you on Twitter? Um, the most famous person to block me on Twitter. That you, actually, that you actually had a conversation with or you actually had any contact with, not just some random block. Um, there's a lot of people that are uh, – that. Like, I'm on block lists and stuff, um, so I don't know for sure. But, I mean, I, I don't – I haven't had a lot of interaction with, with celebrities. I, I tend to focus more on political people. So, like, Shannon Watts blocked me from, from, uh, mo- from you know, Mom's Demand Action for gun, on Gun Violence or whatever. Oh, okay. uh, But, yeah, mo- like, I don't have a lot of I – I can't think of a lot of famous people that have blocked me. So, I don't know. Do you she might know, be the most famous. Do you know of any famous people that blocked you on Twitter? Mm, there's too many that I can't really <laughs> pick one. Like, I can't remember them. Most Mostly happened the first year that I was on Twitter. So. Mm. Yeah, I know for me, well, maybe not for in, in contact, but I know, like, John Cusack has me blocked on Twitter for some reason. I think he's, I think he, well, he does block lists. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right, yeah. Yeah, I knew about that, but but when I first I was like, "What?" I was like, "That's random." I never had any contact with you. Anyway, yeah. um, so I don't know if you know who this guy is, but to me, I love this guy, and it was Adam Sessler. Do you know who that is? The yeah. name's familiar. So he was the host of X Play, which was the video game review. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he blocked me, and it's because he said something about Trump. Because of course he's anti-Trump. And he said something along the lines of, I don't know, something that Trump did or whatever. And I quoted him and I said, well, this is like on a number of things that I care about in terms of Trump. This is like number 1,300 something block. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Yeah, well, they'll do that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Phil, for joining us. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate the the, having you guys having me on and and Mm -hmm. appreciate the conversation. So. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. We'll see you guys later. All righty. Bye. All right. Thanks to Phil Abanti for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it, man. Yep. Really appreciate it. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. All right. I hope you have a good one. Mm, I'm doing a rap pose right now. Oh, God. By the way, the next show will probably be just us. So now you're going to have to listen to us act like idiots Mm -hmm. for like 40 minutes. Now you know what's happening. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, go to hapasupremacy.com and follow our social media. Have a great day.